Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Carrie Nolan. It's Monday, July 11th, and time for WQXR's Washington Report Online. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, is David Sanger. He's the chief Washington correspondent for The New York Times. Good morning, David. Morning, Carrie. David, President Obama met yesterday with both Democratic and Republican leaders in an effort to avoid a collision on the debt ceiling in the next few weeks. They also discussed the prospect of the U.S. defaulting on its payments. How'd that meeting go? Well, not so well, Kerry. We had been hoping that this was going to be sort of the beginning of the end game. Uh, And in fact, they came away, it seemed, as far apart as they'd ever been. Now, on Saturday night, just before this happened, uh, Speaker Boehner, Uh, came out and said that he was no longer going to go for the big deal, which would have been $4 trillion in cuts and then some mix of revenues because the president has insisted that there be some revenue increases. And there was a rebellion among the Republican ranks, which uh, Congressman Boehner, Speaker Boehner, decided he couldn't overcome. So he said, let's do something smaller, $2 trillion. It's an interesting calculation, political calculation, for President Obama because he's decided to insist on the larger deal, at least for now, uh, and to take the, the road of saying that this only makes sense if you're going to solve the bigger problems. And that involves, of course, cutting into entitlements. So why does the president believe it's easier to get a big deal than a small one? Well, it's an interesting question. And you heard uh, Secretary of the Treasury Tim Geithner on this issue some uh, yesterday. I think they believe that if they're going to expend the political capital to get this done, uh, that the president would enter the election season in much better shape, saying, look, uh, the United States has finally tackled the issues that it has avoided for 10 or 15 years now. And in fact, it was 15 years ago that the last big debt ceiling crisis occurred. And that Yes, there was a lot of horse trading. Yes, Democrats had to give up a lot of things that were important to them. But it was in the service of actually solving the problem, not kicking it down the road. And I think the president's decided his biggest advantage right now is to at least make the case that he tried for that larger deal. If they get a deal, does it even make a difference? I mean, any American president or or Congress could reverse it down the road, couldn't they? You know, Kerry, you've you've put your finger on the great weakness in all of this. Uh, If this is a 10-year deal, that means you have five more Congresses that will get elected uh, in the interim. Uh, You have uh, at least one more and maybe two more presidents who would get elected in the interim. And so the difficulty uh, that you run into with any of these deals is that they can get rewritten and economic conditions change. You know, President Obama didn't come into office expecting to deal with the size deficits, but he and Congress made a decision to do the deficit spending that uh, we call now the stimulus. Uh, No one could have anticipated that. Uh, The wars obviously cost a lot of money that no one would have anticipated 10 years ago. So you're right. Any deal that's struck now is a final deal until it's no longer final. Let's turn now to Pakistan. You and your colleagues have reported over the weekend that the U.S. has cut off $800 million in aid to that country, mostly because of its non-cooperation. Is the cutoff of funds likely to change Pakistan's behavior? 
You know, the United States has cut off funds many times before, most notably when Pakistan secretly went about building nuclear weapons and then testing them in, in 1998. Uh, and none of those cutoffs in the past have changed Pakistan's behavior. At this point, the relationship is so fraught that I have significant doubts that this would make a big difference. Last week, we saw the appearance of a letter that seemed to implicate Pakistani generals in the sale of designs and components to North Korea. What's the story there? Well, this was a letter that got released by uh, Abdul Qadir Khan, the man who was the father of the Pakistani bomb and who was put under house arrest in 2003, since been released, uh, for his uh, shipment of Pakistani nuclear technology to North Korea, to Iran, elsewhere. Uh, the um, the bottom line of this letter is we don't know if it's genuine. It's written in slightly better English than most letters coming out of, of North Korea. But if it is genuine, it does seem to indicate that, just as Mr. Khan has said, the top military leadership not only knew about uh, his shipments of nuclear technology abroad, but uh, they were uh, cut in on the money for it. The letter says $3 million. So it does suggest... Uh, widespread Pakistani complicity about a decade ago uh, in what was became the worst nuclear proliferation uh, that the U.S. Uh, has ever seen. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you, Kerry. New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent David Sanger. I'm Kerry Nolan, and that's the Washington Report on Classical 105.9 FM WQXR.